long history. Henry Hudson's diverse voyages and northern discoveries. Journey 1, Part 1. Introduction, Frozen in Shetland and Greenland. How did the Hudson, New York's famous river, and Canada's vast Hudson Bay get their names? Here we'll look at Henry Hudson's famous voyages, using the words of the man himself and people who took part in the voyages. So hello everyone and welcome to a new series on long history. For any new listeners, this is where we like to take source documents from famous events in history and serialise them into 10 minute chunks or so. So in this way we give you the full history and history to take your time over if you've enjoyed all those brief histories and want more details. This also gives you the chance to see world famous events through the eyes of the people who were there. Now with regards to Henry Hudson's diverse voyages and northern discoveries, there were actually four journeys. In the first journey, Hudson heads up the coast of Greenland and beyond in an attempt to find a way to the Far East via the North Pole. In the second voyage, Hudson heads to the North East, trying to find a way to the Far East via seas to the north of Russia. In the third voyage, events begin to ramp up as Hudson sails the east coast of today's Canada and the US down to South Carolina in particular exploring today's Hudson River and the New York area. The famous European explorations don't end there though. And in the fourth voyage, events take a dramatic turn as Hudson's crew is stretched to its limits. While looking for a northwest passage around Canada, they reach Hudson Bay in the process. So it's interesting throughout these journeys how the events just ramp up and up. At first it seems that the only discoveries will be a few changes to maps here and there and that there won't be much drama. But then the significance of the events that take place become more and more important, and then the drama begins to ramp up. Now there are 25 parts to this series, so don't forget to subscribe to be informed of when they're all released. And if you can't wait until the next episode, don't forget that Hudson's journeys here are just one of the many by famous explorers on long history. We've now got historic source documents about many famous names and world-changing events, including Magellan, Francis Drake, Sir Walter Raleigh and Columbus. We've also got series on the early explorations of the US and the Philippines, so we've covered many major events and a lot of historic curiosities. But we're now about to begin Henry Hudson's first journey, which set off on the 1st of May 1607. And just a quick note for anyone following this journey on a map, in this first episode... Hudson heads up the eastern coast of England towards Shotland as he calls it, which is today's Shetland Islands off the northern coast of Scotland. He then heads over to Greenland, which he calls Groenland. And there is also a mention of a place called Newland, which is beyond Greenland in the Arctic Circle and today owned by Norway and it's the islands of Spitsbergen or Svalbard. So here we go with Henry Hudson, Journey 1, Part 1, Introduction, Frozen in Shetland and Greenland. Diverse voyages and northern discoveries of that worthy, irrecoverable discoverer, Master Henry Hudson. His discovery toward the North Pole set forth at the charge of certain worshipful merchants of London in May 1607, written partly by John Plays, one of the company, and partly by H. Hudson. Anno 1607, April the 19th, at St. Ethelburg in Bishopsgate Street, did communicate with the rest of the parishioners, these persons, seamen, purposing to go to sea four days after, for to discover a passage by the North Pole to Japan and China. First, Henry Hudson, Master. 
Secondly, William Collins, his mate. Thirdly, James Young. Fourthly, John Coleman. Fifthly, John Cook. Sixthly, James Bowbury. Seventhly, James Scrutton. Eighthly, John Place. Ninthly, Thomas Baxter. Tenthly, Richard Day. Eleventhly, James Knight. Twelfthly, John Hudson, a boy. The 1st of May, 1607, we weighed anchor at Gravesend, and on Tuesday, the 6th and 20th day in the morning, we made the lies of Shotland, and at noon, we were in 60 degrees 12 minutes and 6 leagues to the eastward of them. The compass had no variation. We had 64 fathoms at our sounding, black, oozy, sandy, with some yellow shells. Our ship made more way than we did suppose. On Saturday, the 30th of May, by our observation, we were in 61 degrees 11 minutes. This day I found the needle to incline 79 degrees under the horizon. For four days' space, we made very little way by contrary winds. On Thursday, the 4th of June, we were, by our observation, still in 61 degrees and 14 minutes. 8 and 20, or 30 leagues from the northern part of Shotland. The land, bearing by our account east and by north off us, I found variation in five degrees westerly. The 7th of June we were in 63 degrees 25 minutes. The 8th, all the forenoon, we had a fresh gale southerly. We steered away north and by west, and by observation we were in 65 degrees 27 minutes. The 11th we saw six or seven whales near our ship. We were in 67 degrees 30 minutes. About five of the clock, the wind came up at northeast and by east. We steered away north-northwest with a fresh gale all the night at east. The 12th, the wind was at east-northeast, a stiff gale. We steered away as a four, and accounted we had run by this day noon 30 leagues. In the afternoon, we steered away north and by west 15 leagues. All the night proved a great fog with much wind. The 13th, between 1 and 2 in the morning, we saw some land on head of us and some ice, and it being thick fog, we steered away northerly, and having much wind, we stood away south and by east 6 or 8 leagues. Our sail and shrouds did freeze. At 8 in the morning it cleared up, the wind being at northeast and by east, with much wind we were hardly able to maintain a sail. This was a very high land, most part covered with snow. The nether part was uncovered. At the top it looked reddish, and underneath a blackish clay, with much ice lying about it. The part which we saw when we cast about trended east and west, and the northern part which we saw trended northeast and by north and northeast and the length which we saw was nine leagues. We saw much fowl, also we saw a whale close by the shore. We called the headland which we saw Young's Cape, and near it standeth a very high mount, like a round castle, which we called the Mount of God's Mercy. All the afternoon and all the evening it rained. At eight in the evening we cast about, and steered all night north and by west, and sometimes north-northwest. The fourteenth, being near the land, we had snow. At four in the morning, the wind veering northerly, we cast about and stood southeast and by south. 
This day we had much wind and rain. We shorted the sail, being near the land. The fifteenth in the morning it blowed so much wind at northeast that we were not able to maintain any sail. We then struck a hull and let our ship drive, waiting for a fitter wind. This night was very much rain. The sixteenth was much wind at northeast. The seventeenth we set sail at noon, we steered away east and by south, and east-south-east. The eighteenth in the afternoon, a fine gale southeast, which toward the evening increased, and we steered northeast three watches, twelve leagues. The nineteenth, we steered away north-northeast sixteen leagues. At noon we had rain with fog. From twelve to four, we steered north-northeast eight leagues, and did account ourselves in seventy degrees nearest hand, purposing to see whether the land which we made the thirteenth day were an island or part of Groenland. But then the fog increased very thick, with much wind at south, which made us alter our course and to shorten our sail, and we steered away northeast. Being then, as we supposed, in the meridian of the same land, having no observation since the eleventh day, and lying a hull from the fifteenth to the seventeenth day, we perceived a current setting to the south-west. This day we saw three whales near our ship, and having steered away northeast almost one watch, five leagues, the sea was grown every way. We supposed we were thwart of the northeast part of that land which we made the thirteenth day, and the current setting to windward. The reason that moved us to think so was that after we had sailed five or six leagues in this sea, the wind neither increasing nor dulling, we had a pleasant and smooth sea. All this night was foggy with a good gale of wind. We steered away northeast until the next day at noon and sailed in that course twenty leagues. The twentieth, all the morning, was a thick fog with wind at south. We steered northeast till noon. Then we changed our course and steered away north-northeast, hoping for an open sea in our course to fall with the body of Newland. This day at two in the afternoon it cleared up and we saw the sun, which we had not seen since the second of this month. Having steered north-northeast two watches and a half, fifteen or sixteen leagues, we saw land on our larboard, about four leagues off us, trending as we could guess north-east and south-west. We steered away east-northeast, the wind at south a good gale, but reasonable clear. We saw many birds with black backs and white bellies, in form much like a duck. We also saw many pieces of ice driving at the sea. We loofed for one and went rumour for another, and this morning about four a thick fog we saw ahead of us. The one and twentieth in the morning we steered northeast and east-northeast two watches, five or six leagues. Then it grew thick fog, and we cast about and steered northeast and east-northeast two watches, six leagues, finding we were embayed. The wind came at east-southeast a little gale. We tacked about and lay south. All this night was a thick fog with little wind. East we lay with the stem. The two and twentieth in the morning it cleared up, being calm about two or three of the clock. After, we had a pretty gale, and we steered away east and by north three leagues. Our observation was in seventy-two degrees thirty-eight minutes. And changing our course, we steered northeast, the wind at southeast, a pretty gale, 
This morning when it cleared up, we saw the land, trending near hand east-northeast and west-southwest, esteeming ourselves from it twelve leagues. It was a main high land, nothing at all covered with snow, and the north part of that main highland was very high mountains, but we could see no snow on them. We accounted, by our observation, the part of the main land lay nearest hand in 73 degrees. The many fogs and calms, with contrary winds and much ice near the shore, held us from farther discovery of it. It may be objected against us as a fault, for hailing so westerly a course. The chief cause that moved us thereunto was our desire to see that part of Groenland, which, for aught that we know, was to any Christian unknown and we thought it might as well have been open sea as land, and by that means our passage should have been the larger to the pole, and the hope of having a westerly wind, which would be to us a landerly wind if we found land, and considering we found land contrary to that which our cards make mention of, we accounted our labour so much the more worth. And, for aught that we could see, it is like to be a good land and worth the seeing. On the one and twentieth day in the morning, while we steered our course north-north-east, we thought we had embayed ourselves, finding land on our larboard and ice upon it, and many great pieces of drift ice. We steered away north-east, with diligent looking out every clear for land, having a desire to know whether it would leave us to the east, both to know the breadth of the sea, and also to shape a more northerly course and considering we knew no name given to this land, we thought good to name it Hold With Hope, lying in 73 degrees of latitude. The sun was on the meridian on the south part of the compass, nearest hand. Here it is to be noted that when we made the mount of God's mercy and Young's Cape, the land was covered with snow for the most part and extreme cold when we approached near it. But this land was very temperate to our feeling. And this likewise is to be noted, that being two days without observation, notwithstanding our lying a hull by reason of much contrary wind, yet our observation and dead reckoning were within eight leagues together, our ship being before us eight leagues. This night, until next morning, proved little wind. So the text quickly sets up a pattern, where given the date, the weather, and information about the seas, and here and there are sprinkled little details such as sightings of whales and birds. Henry Hudson has gone up the coast of Greenland. And although it's easy to get lost in the language, on Hudson's first journey, his attempt to reach the east via the North Pole, he already seems to consider that he's made an important discovery in the following quotation. And considering we've found land contrary to that which our cards make mention of, we accounted our labour so much the more worth. And, for aught that we could see, it is like to be a good land and worth the seeing. So when Henry Hudson talks of cards, and land contrary to the cards, he means that even in the first part of this first journey, he's able to make corrections to old maps, and is able to map land that seems, at least in his eyes, worth the seeing, and good land as he says. In the next episode, Hudson continues north, eventually going on to reach those islands that he calls Newland, and which today belong to Norway, and are called Svalbard or Spitsbergen. So I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. 
please don't forget to like this episode. It's a particularly important episode to like as it's the first one in the series. And if you could subscribe, you'll get to hear how events here just ramp up and ramp up and lead to that rather shocking ending. So this has been Henry Hudson's Journey 1 Part 1. Introduction. Frozen in Shetland and Greenland. Thank you for listening everyone. Goodbye.